0: This is Michael Cowan and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. He helps us pan for the gold inside ourselves.
1: You need to have grit. I mean a lot of this
0: grit. I feel like I've been made a better lawyer. They're talking about something that's real to them. You have to be really careful not to be Goliath. They saved a bunch of lives and changed society forever. But let's just begin the conversation.
1: Welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation, your source for guidance to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your practice. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan.
0: Today on the show, we have Devin Hurst and DeLisi Friday. Devin has over 25 years of experience in marketing, and he's the founder of a company called Dynamic Marketing Consultants. Uh, My firm uses DMC for marketing support, and we've had a great experience with them. We also have Delisi Friday joining us. She's the marketing director at my firm, and she leads all the marketing initiatives we implement throughout the year, including this podcast. I'm excited to have him on the show because we're discussing the marketing strategies that frankly help my firm succeed. We're going to talk about how you can stand out in the market, the different ways you can deliver a consistent message to your audience, and how important it is to be unique and relatable. I've had incredible success with Devin and Delisi. My San Antonio office has gone from five employees to 26, and the year that we really focused and started working with them, our profits tripled. Uh, it's just been incredible. We're going to talk about how we've done it. I hope it helps you succeed so you can do it too. Today on Trial Order Nation, we have Devin Hers. Devin is the president of a company called Dynamic Marketing Consultants. He's actually the person that my firm uses for marketing. Uh, we've done really well with them, and so I thought he would have some stuff we could, uh, would be useful to you. I also have Delici Friday. She's my law firm marketing director, and she's one of the reasons that I can afford to do things like this. So, welcome, uh, Devin. Welcome, Delici.
2: Well, thanks for having us both, and uh, it's great to be here and be part of this uh, amazing podcast that you have going on.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to not be doing the intro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have actually heard Delici's <laughs> voice before because she does our intros and our outros. Uh, so, Devin. What is your background? Uh, How did you get into marketing?
2: Marketing has been a passion of mine since I was even a little child. Uh, My father owned several retail stores and I watched him grow a couple stores up to seven locations and he did not do that just by opening the locations, he did it by marketing. So I was able to see at a young age that marketing does make a difference and it can make or break you. So on the creative end of things, I was uh, I guess blessed by my parents to both be both creative and uh, I got that gene as well and um, growing up it was all about being able to help my clients differentiate themselves and I did that through a lot of graphic design so that was my background initially getting into the marketing world moving up into high school into college of course digital design and Photoshop and Adobe programs became more prevalent during that time in the 90s and being able to do things that we're not looking like every other business. So we did a lot of promotions for local retail locations, restaurants, nightclubs, and even with those uh, types of marketing initiatives, we help them differentiate themselves and ultimately bring in more audiences, bring in more people, and bring in more revenue.
0: And uh, what's your experience specifically with lawyer marketing?
2: Uh, lawyer marketing, of course, uh, I love working with attorneys, um, the ones that understand that you have to market to really succeed. Um, So with attorney marketing, it has been one of the focuses in our industry uh, as far as what we want to, um, the types of people we want to work with, and those are the types of people that are looking to improve their practice, improve their firm, and grow their firm, and they may not have the time to do so. So we've developed a team that can really help them out, and, uh, you know, it's it's something that is trackable. And in the attorney and, and law firm marketing arena, you know when things are going good, you know when things are going bad, so we're able to track and see the, rise and fall of cases and the types of revenue that's being brought in and the types of cases that are being brought in for our clients, and that's very gratifying to us to see that growth. But you don't don't just work work with lawyers, do you? We happen to work with all different industries, and um, yes, businesses are different, but at the end of the the day, they are a lot alike. So being able to, as I've mentioned, is just stand out in a world when there's so much noise out there between social media, radio, TV, podcasts, all these different areas, Um, it is something that we do work with many different industries, which is great because it keeps us creative, it keeps us on our toes, it keeps things fresh, Um, but it also allows us to understand our clients and what their needs are, and ultimately we do a lot of the same strategies no matter what industry you're in. We just want to help you really improve your overall marketing.
0: Yeah, and the fact that you are just a a marketing company, not what I call a legal marketing company, is one thing that attracted uh, attracted me to you all. Uh, I found that lawyers, I think, are probably viewed as suckers by a lot of people because I found that anyone that says they do le- legal marketing gives you half the results for twice the price. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, you know, like website companies and they'll like, you know, they're going there and they're marketing, like, let us do all your website, let us do all your pay-per-click, but they're doing like nine different lawyers in the same city, all advertising for car wrecks. Well, you're all paying these people to market your practice right. and yet... You know, how well can they market anyone? Yeah, That's
1: yeah. how we started. That's exactly how we started. We used someone to do all of our digital marketing online, but they represented a ton of other law firms. And then we realized it just wasn't a
0: good fit. We also weren't getting any cases. I think no, that we was were not. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't
2: help. <laughs> That's But, yeah, I, I think you, st- you start to look. When people work with a specific niche, and, of course, there's the niches bring riches, and there's definitely some truth to that. but when you start to look like every single other lawyer that's out there and the content's the same the websites are the same the marketing pieces that are showing up in the mail are the same you're just going to get lost in the shuffle and that's really um you know something that we don't like we want our people to, to be different
0: another thing i have liked about working with you is you've you've taken on my goal of not just getting more cases because uh, i don't want more bender bender cases i mean there's a 20 years of my career, I did those cases. I'm proud of the work I did, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do soft tissue, minor auto accident cases anymore. I've, you know, I've paid my dues, and when I said my goal is to get more big cases, uh, my goal is to find ways to partner with other lawyers instead of marketing to the public. Uh, you didn't argue with me. You found a way to make to make my goals. I've everyone other marketing firm I've talked to. Well, you're wrong. You need to do this instead. Whereas you guys have said, okay, this is the vision. So. We're, Tell me about that thought process. Well, we're
2: very open-minded, and of course, it's it's what our client wants. Um, sometimes they come to us and they don't know what they want. Sometimes they want something that maybe is not the right direction to go, but we feel that quality versus quantity, and again, depending on what industry you're in, but a lot of times it takes the same time with a lower dollar case as it does a higher dollar case, and it's much more rewarding to really focus on what's going to bring in the bigger dollars, give you some more time freedom, and give you the time to focus on the cases that are important to you.
0: So what's the magic bullet? What's the one thing I can do that I can just press a button and this, all the cases are gonna magically flow into my office and I can just retire in two I, years? I, yeah,
2: I wish there was <laughs> something like that. And uh, if that was the case, I probably wouldn't be here right now because I'd be on the boat retired as well. <laughs> yeah. um, so no matter what, I don't care if you're the best marketer in the world, they're gonna tell you they've had more failures than successes. And um, you know, to me, it's just a matter of staying consistent and really making sure that the messaging is right to your audience. And uh, that's really going to help pay off in the end. And so,
0: you know, this trial or nation is really aimed at the plaintiffs' personal injury practice. Uh, what are some things you've seen work or don't work uh, for my my people? For your
2: people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends if you're if you're going like someone like yourself that's going after other attorneys, um, or people that are just going to the the end client. Um, as we mentioned earlier, if you have a website that looks like everyone else's, if you're saying the same message. Um, I, I think you're going to lose out. So, um, being able to educate and talk primarily about the benefits that your clients are going to. Re- be receiving is huge Uh, of course we all like to talk about ourselves and I think there is a time and a place to really bring that up you have credentials and you want to build authority but there's ways to do it so talking about them making them feel comfortable also humanizing your business too making sure that they understand the type of people that they're dealing with and who they're going to be working with and sometimes we do that through our monthly marketing where we're even highlighting something like a 5k run or someone ran a marathon like Michael has. Um, so, you know, those types of things humanize someone and it just sets you in a different light than just someone that's online or on TV all the time saying that they're the best and they're going to win every single case and they're going to get you the highest payouts. Just being able to connect with your audience and be able to connect with the team that you have is really what does make a difference. Go ahead, Delise. Well, I was
1: going to say consistency, too, because I think a lot of what we do is about consistency. I know when we've been implementing some of the marketing strategies we've done, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen a month, three months, six months. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes more than that. Um, And I think being consistent is is really important in that. We had a new referral attorney we've been trying to work with for a long time, well over a year. And now that we are, I'm so happy we were consistent and we didn't stop because that ended up being a a large part of why we're doing business with someone now.
2: Everyone wants instant gratification, right? So they want to pay some money and they want to get results immediately. And to me, it's it's more of that marathon than the sprint. Of course, we want to make that marathon as fast as possible, but you need to do the right things. It's not just a social media campaign that's going to make your business. It's going to be all those different angles that we're touching people and staying out there in front of them. It's not every day that someone's going to be getting in a car accident. So you want them to be you know the first person they think of. We want them to be you. And um, by doing the consistent marketing is exactly how that works. I agree.
0: I mean, that's one of the challenges, I think, in our industry is, you know, if you're at McDonald's, you might not want to eat McDonald's every day, but you have to eat every day. That's right. And so you can market to a lot of people because all of them are going to eat at some point, and most of us will eat McDonald's every now and then. Uh, whereas you don't need a personal injury lawyer every day. Or if you're my firm, even if you are a personal injury lawyer and you might want to partner up with people, you might not have the kind of case I want to do every day. And so we have to have you remember us when it's time for us to help you.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's so hard. And we've, we've tracked it, at least. I mean, we have, mm-hmm. like, we run seminars. And you, you guys help us market our seminars and put our PowerPoints together and stuff. But, like, someone will go to a seminar and that, that we've never met before. And then, what, a year and a half later, yep, we'll get a case from that person.
1: Sometimes that day. <laughs> sometimes that, sometimes day. that sometimes day. Sometimes it
0: does. Yeah. We, do get some, we do get some instant gratification. In fact, every seminar we've ever done, we've gotten a referral that day because yes. someone's gone because they have that kind of a case and they want to learn and they've realized, hey, you know, instead of doing all the work myself, I can split the case with Mike and it'll work out. But we've also found that the slow burn, you know, like, okay, we've impressed the person, but then if we didn't have that monthly magazine we mail out, if we didn't have all the other things we do, the the social media, the emails. They wouldn't have remembered us. They wouldn't have remembered that experience they had a year and a half before.
1: Well, and we're building a relationship, too. And so building that relationship isn't just one thing. It's going to take time.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how many companies I talk to that are doing events, and they spend tens of thousands of dollars to travel to an event, set up an event. What's your follow-up plan? They don't have one. So follow-up, staying out there after that, it's just so important to to really just stay top of mind and, and... if you're doing that with just your standard media and standard marketing yeah they may recognize the brand but you're not going to stand out And you need to stand out today so Mm -hmm. what are
0: some ways that people can stand out
2: well I think um, one building authority Uh, I think that is super super important Um, one of the ways that uh, we recommend doing that is by becoming an author you know putting out content putting out educational stuff and you don't need to sit and write a 200 page book you can do smaller books smaller white papers blogs that even have good education, emails that have good education. So by providing that information for free, you start to build that trust and that following, and you're not always looking for the sale. So people put you on a different level than someone that's just out there trying to sell whatever it is that they're selling.
1: And it helps build the trust, too.
2: Yes, it helps, big Mm -hmm. time. And I think for attorneys,
0: uh, at least attorney-to-attorney marketing, I think the book, and we all learn from books. I mean, we all, you go to case books, we all learn from case, from books in law school, we're, we're book people. Right. So I think the book is really effective with
2: attorneys. Yeah, for attorneys it's definitely big time because a lot of your audience and, and your preferring attorneys are going to actually spend the time mm-hmm. to read, um, but even in industries that are not necessarily you know, big readers, it's just seeing that name, seeing something authored by you with a topic that you're a specialist in is, is going to set you in a different bracket.
1: I also think you mentioned becoming an authority. A lot of our listeners do um, advertising to the public and some of it's on buses, some of it's on billboards and a big part of that is not expecting that to have a return right away and having a long-term strategy for that. Because believe it or not, there's a lot of research that says if you have your billboard up there, people feel comfortable with you and they wanna call you when they get the case. But if you only have your billboard up for three months or four months and you take it down, a lot of the thought process behind that is, why did they take the billboard down did something happen should i call them anymore right. um so to any of our listeners who are doing billboards or bus wraps think about that strategy long term and not short term
0: plus our friends that, that are successful with that have told me at least it's a three-year thing the first year you're just getting your name out there uh that's one reason i couldn't afford to play that game uh, you know but you're having to get your name out build the brand the second year you start getting the cases in but you're not making money on them yet, and it's not till the third year they actually make a profit. So you'd have to think, you know, can I withstand the storm and do this direct to the public media campaign for at least three years? And, and if yeah. you can't, then maybe you need to think of, you know, more creative ways to, you know, grow a market or, or more targeted marketing at, at who you want rather mm-hmm. than trying to go, because the other thing is there can only be, you know, three or four big, big, big mass advertisers in a market, but that's not all the clients, not all the clients are going to pick a mass advertiser. Right.
2: right. Yeah, that's very true. I think the, the mass marketing is, is sometimes good for certain people, but it's it's that long-term plan and really understanding that you got to feel comfortable no matter what engagement you're starting with a marketing company or really any relationship, that you got to be thinking long-term, not just looking under the hood, but looking at the road ahead and making sure that you have someone that you enjoy working with and having a team that you enjoy working with as well, because... You know, it doesn't always uh, go as planned. So I think being able to focus on the bigger goals and start there. Um, But I also think initially building a relationship on a smaller project to get acquainted with the people that you're working with is very important as well. Because if you're dreading talking to your marketing team on a weekly basis, they're not the right fit for you.
0: And I think we started with some direct mail. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think we started with y'all designing some stuff for us when we were – I actually had a bankruptcy practice at one time and we'd send letters to people getting – Foreclosures, and then uh, but where we really started taking off is when I started doing uh, seminars for lawyers. And uh, we did something. What's lumpy mail? We did something called lumpy yeah, mail. Lumpy mail, that's, <laughs> a, that's
2: a big part of what we do. So direct marketing and direct mail is, is still a big part of our business today. Um, and actually it is still just as effective, if not even more effective today, because chances are your competition is probably not utilizing direct mail. They get stuck on the shiny new objects or the social media areas, which again, you have to be on and you have to do that the right way, but being able to hit someone with something tangible, whether it's gifting, whether it's just that monthly information that you're trying to get out there, is so important and just being able to touch, feel, see something, know that you actually spent the money to mail me something, it just shows up more and it has more of a perceived value than an email would. Especially
1: if it's nice or people like it, because then in, someone's gonna actually keep it around and use it, and your name's gonna be in front of them every single day. I got a text from a lawyer yesterday who had one of our lumpy items from a year ago and said, "Oh, my cell phone holder broke. Can you send me another one?" And <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's months and a year later. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so to your question about lumpy mail, so that's dimensional mail. So it's using anything that you could think of that may have uh, staying power. We do like to come up with things that could be mailed out that people would actually use. So it doesn't even necessarily have to have your gaudy brand right smack in the face with saying they're going to know who sent them that gift so every time they use it they're going to be thinking of you and i, I think doing those little things it doesn't mean that you need to go out and buy a hundred dollar gift for someone you can literally go to the grocery store and you know is your is your practice shriveling up and throw a box of raisins in there or something but again that's different it's showing up different uh so being able to be creative on that end and adding a lump to your mail it says, um, you know, add a, add a lump and give your response rate a jump. You know. That's yeah, what well, the, it really
0: is true because lawyers, uh, we get so much mail. Uh, and we read a lot of it. I mean, it's a two-step. One, a lot of mail that is sent to me for people wanting to market to me never makes it to my desk. Like someone throws it away before. It, it's like uh, there's categories of stuff that I am not interested in. Mm-hmm. My people know I'm not interested in it. I never get it. And then about once a week, I have a, about a three-inch stack. And I hold it over the trash can, and 90% of it goes in the trash can unread. And then if it looks interesting to me, then I put it in the pile of my desk to get to read later. Uh, and so I think one of the things Lumpy Mail does is it, it gets past the Guardians yes. and it actually gets read. Delise, what are some of the things we've done with the Lumpy Mail?
1: oh man okay well the most recent one that i think a lot of people enjoyed was the cell phone holders so when texas passed the law that texting and driving was no longer legal uh, we used that as a chance to do lumpy mail so we sent out a cell phone holder for everyone to use in their cars and we said hey this new law passed and it didn't have our logo so it wasn't over the top because no one's going to put our logo cell phone holder in their car but we put our website in small print on the side Um, And that one had a really good response, um, and and I thought that was a great one for us. But we also do lumpy mail whenever we host an event. So one of my favorite ones was um, one of the trucking events that we did. We did, you know, the squishy ball that everyone has in their office. We did that a little differently, and we had a squishy 18-wheeler, and we put our logo on that. And I had lawyers who texted and said they loved it or they gave it to their kid or they gave it to their dog, but they kept it. Some of them still have it on their desk at their office. Um, and that was fun because it was different. It wasn't your typical lumpy item, everyone's got this stress ball. This one was a, a cute little 18-wheeler people put on their desks and that was a great one. Absolutely.
2: And I think too, uh, one of the other ones that I recall is the 18-wheeler again, but instead of using just your standard thumb drive. Yes. Or, You know, a little portable hard drive type of thing, one that was shaped as an 18-wheeler. So there's so many different things that you can do out there, and there's so many different items out there that can really be unique. It just takes a little bit of thought, some planning, and then tying a campaign together that really hits a home run for you.
0: My favorite is still the first one you you did for our first uh, trucking seminar we did. And the theme was you're throwing money away if you don't go, and you're going to bank if you do. So we sent out a bank deposit bag, right. and it also had like a little That's bag of shredded sure. money in there. Right. And one of my friends told me, like, my receptionist ran in and goes, Mr. Begum, we have a bank bag. It must be a deposit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yes. right front and center on his desk. Yeah. It, rather than going through the normal route over the trash cans and stuff. And it, exactly. it was—it really worked, because when we, you know, we had done the seminar in South Texas where I'm from, and, and I thought people would go, but I had moved to San Antonio, and DeLisa and I were really debating, like, do I do a seminar in San Antonio? Does mm-hmm. anyone know who I am? Yeah. And so we sent it out, and not only did we sell out, but we had to do two seminars because we had such a big waiting list for the first one right. that we had to do a second one. So this stuff does work. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not
2: only what's about what's inside the actual package, the packaging itself helps, too. You talk about getting through the gatekeepers to the decision makers. Um, so you know, being able to have a package that shows up differently or does look like a gift. FedEx is another example, too. A lot of times, if it's a personal gift or something like that, that the owner ordered they're going to get that FedEx package you know, right through to their office and they're going to open it.
0: And let's talk about consistency. What are some, you know, for me, before I had you guys, consistency was one of my biggest struggles. You know, I'd go to a seminar and we had to do a newsletter, so I'd try to write a newsletter to my clients, you know, and I'd do one every month for about three months and then we'd miss a month and then we'd miss a quarter and then it'd been six months since I'd done a newsletter because I was too busy being a lawyer to be a newsletter writer.
2: One, to handle your own marketing as, as an owner of a business it is very very difficult to keep up with the content so one of the ways that we love to stay out there consistently is through um, one of the solutions that we provide called a mini zine um, you also know that as a small magazine so um, utilizing that type of vehicle in the mail again something tangible that are going to be talking about fun stories, things that are going on in the local area, things that are actually going to be sticking around on their coffee table that their kid may have an interest in, a little word search game, a recipe. Those types of things, again, are showing up differently than a typical old 11 by 17 newsletter or a postcard. So that type of marketing gets people engaged. And I think you really need to know your audience, too, and understand what they like. I don't think sending something to other attorneys all about law, all about cases, it can get a little, you know, regular. That's what they're used to seeing. So by having things in there that are different, having that type of consistency, and even with email marketing, you gotta do it. So being able to come up with subject lines that really will stand out as you're flipping through your email, and then having content as well is going to be very important, and social media, same thing.
0: Do you think lawyers should market to their existing list of current and former clients?
2: I think um, that's uh, the first place that most attorneys should be looking, is looking at their current list because you've already worked with them, hopefully it turned out very well for them, hopefully they're comfortable working with you, and to be able to generate more referrals I think that's an easier solution to really make sure that you are continuing to hit that current client base or past client base of yours.
0: So given that we can't pay non-lawyers for referrals, uh, you know, some businesses you're allowed to say you refer someone, will give you money or will give you a gift or something. We can't do that with non-lawyers. What are some ways that lawyers can motivate their current former clients to send other people over?
2: Well, I think um, the motivation should, you know, be there as far as the experience that they've had with you. Um, so being able to get testimonials from some of those past clients can help out. But uh, I think ultimately it's just having those people that are out there and speaking the kind words. So when their friend does go through a horrible accident or something like that, unfortunate happens, they're going to be, you know, you got to go ahead and see Michael. you got to see the, this team of people that are really going to help me out.
0: Whether it's a newsletter or a mini zine, how do you mix the. Okay, you, you, like you said, you don't want to just have it all about law because no one's going to want to read it. Right. But you do want to have a call to action and say, hey, if someone you know has a case or you have another case, give us a call. How do you find the right balance on that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a secret recipe. I think everyone's trying to find out. I know, I'm giving away Um. my
0: secrets of how I get my cases. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know,
1: we we talked about that when we started the magazine because I thought, oh, it's a great magazine if everything's legal all the time. And then Devin said, no, we've had great results when you make it more personal and you humanize it like we were talking about in the beginning. Um, So when we did the magazine and we added a riddle and we added a recipe and a funny legal moment at the end, we had a great response because people were reading it for something in addition to the legal information we were providing. So I really think making it personal and unique um, is a great way to get people to read it because you get tired with the same thing over and over again. At least, you know, there's going to be that little personal aspect in there every single time you get something. Yeah
2: if you can get them to interact with the pieces that you're sending to more power to you. I mean if you're getting them to go online to do something if you a scavenger hunt or anything like that that gets them to actually respond to you and interact and take that time and there could be some prizes along the way that you're offering to you know little incentives and things like that to get people involved but I think that's always a great way to make it fun and make it enjoyable for the reader and your audience and that way they are going to become more are involved and engage with what you're sending them.
1: Well, and it's about building the relationship too because sometimes when I'm out marketing for you, I'll have someone who comes up to me and says, oh, I love your boss, Michael Cowan. I've never met him, but I feel like I know him. (laughs) And the reason they feel like they know you is because we're sharing information about you. So even though you're not there in person, they really are starting to begin that relationship. So that's where making that personal aspect in your marketing is so important because you haven't met this person yet, but they already feel like they know you. That's awesome.
0: I've noticed the same on social media. A lot of lawyers, I think, that make the mistake on their personal page of just, you know, talking legal stuff and cases. And my personal, we have a law firm uh, Facebook page, and I'm sure we have other stuff. I don't even know what all we do because you guys handle kind of <laughs> me. But, uh, you know, and we do talk about some legal stuff there, but most people I talk to that, you know, you see them like once every six months. You meet them at a convention, like, oh, I, we're friends on Facebook. I know that you've been running. Or, hey, you went on a trip, and you took, you know, I saw that picture, and you and your kids look like you're having a good time. And then they're like, by the way, I have this case. Um, and it's just, I think if I just talked about so much about, you know, we just got this verdict. I just took this deposition. I think people would like unfollow. I'm sick of that.
2: Right. Yeah. It doesn't work the same. And when you're bringing in that personal element it is, it just changes everything as far as how people view you. And you also need to keep in mind that people do their due diligence. I mean, they are if They're about to hire you they are going to probably spend some time looking your name up, looking at what's out there. So when they start to see that you're an author of some books and you put on events, it just helps make that relationship that much better and like you said they feel like they know you and I've mm-hmm. had multiple calls myself where you don't even think about people that are looking at YouTube and videos that you've done and you're like I've watched all your videos I know what you're about I know you like fishing I know you like this and it's a little scary at times you get the <laughs> little big brother mm-hmm. feel but yeah. but that's what we're going for you know you, you do want to get out there and just show that you're a family person and that you care and that you have interests it's you know, work is, is very important, but it's also those other qualities that people can resonate with.
1: Well, and our audience is personal injury attorneys. So a large part of what we're doing is reminding people that we're human as well. And adding that extra element helps people feel a little bit more comfortable when they hire a personal injury attorney, because unfortunately, personal injury attorneys have this awful stereotype and when you make yourself more relatable someone is going to call you if they feel like they can actually relate to you or feel like you're another person just like them absolutely
0: let's say i'm a let's turn the clock back you know 18 years and i'm a younger lawyer just kind of get my practice going you know i don't have a six-figure marketing budget yet Uh, and i want to start though i want to start to build my practice where would you recommend that they start
2: I think having a strong foundation is super, super important. So um, I I think having a solid set of systems and tools before you even get to the external marketing Mm -hmm. is making sure that the internal marketing is on point, right? So once you do start getting more calls, once you have people walking through that door, their experience is like nothing else. Um, So being remarkable Uh, Internally first, and that's everything from how you answer the phones, how your staff is treating people, the atmosphere of your office if you do have people coming in is very, very important. So I think there's those types of things that may take a a weekend of painting your office, getting some nice signage, having things out, having, again, little gifts or something like that that they can take with them when they leave. Um, So I think that foundation is very important when you get into more of the digital aspect of it. I think there's certain tools out there, of course there's certain tools that are specifically for your industry and many other industries, but having something that you know can keep track of all your clients, having something that'll help you communicate with your clients on a regular basis, and then on top of that, and this word is super important, being able to automate a lot of the processes that you do costs as a business owner as a marketing manager you're wearing multiple hats it can be very cumbersome to really try to keep track of all the different things that you have going on that tool can really help you manage that and then as you get bigger then you can hire someone to help manage those tools and things like that but I would say a strong foundation and then putting together a plan a lot of people just say "Oh, I'm going to wing it I'm going to try this thing I'm going to try that thing I think um one, looking to see what other people in your industry that are successful are doing is also important. And then being able to have that long-term plan. And even if there's some three-month goals, six-month goals, but this is what I'm going to do, these are the audience I'm going to, and this is the specific path I'm going to take to get to them, is really important to have a solid uh, beginning.
0: Yeah, I think you know that making a plan, You know what what is going to work for you, and, and not just just because someone's sending you an email or coming to your office trying to sell you product doesn't mean they're the right vendor for you in fact you know doing what our clients do like checking out who's out there taking out the results asking for references before you you hire somebody because I know so many people that have lost so much money in quote-unquote legal marketing that doesn't work you know every day I get emails like we'll put you on the first page of Google you know uh, we've redesigned our website uh, we'll pay per lead, I mean all kinds of stuff. I mean it's just a constant barrage of of emails, people calling the office, people that, what's the newest one? Uh, I want to talk to Michael Kevin, I have a case to refer. They don't have a case to refer. They want to sell me a marketing ah, program. I I mean, and when exactly. he doesn't
1: answer they ask for Delease
2: Friday. Yeah <laughs> you have to field those calls. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, you have to be very cautious. I mean the internet allows people to start a business overnight. And, and some of that perceived value, they're aware, too, to be able to put some things up there that make them look very credible or bigger than they actually are. And we see the guys that have the Ferraris and Rolls-Royces behind them, and they're driving, you know, a, a Hyundai or something, <laughs> uh, which is not a problem of driving a Hyundai. But, um, you know, There's I wrong not
0: drive a Hyundai, but don't pretend like you drive a Rolls-Royce. Ex-
2: exactly right. So
0: so social media is, you know, everyone wants to talk about social media. I personally, I have mixed opinions about it social media. I mean, I think it's important that we do it as part of an overall marketing strategy. Uh, I wouldn't want it to be the focus of my marketing strategy because there's, one, there's so much noise, and two, I think people get annoyed with social media ads because they don't go in there to read ads. They go in there to I don't look at pictures of dogs doing fun of things or see what people's kids look like or stalk their ex or whatever else they're doing. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on, on effective social media marketing? For yeah, lawyers? I,
2: I can understand where you come from. And I think a lot of business owners that we talk to social media is oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And you do have to do it. It's it, unfortunately, we, ha- <laughs> we all have to do it, but it's how you go about doing that. Tying in, as you mentioned earlier, some of those personal things in there as well. But, um, Ultimately with that too, you want to have some content and information that is going to be um, educational, but you also want to tie in some of those fun things as well. Um, I think building an audience is important, building a following is important, but knowing that putting that information out there is not always going to help you build business it does come down to when people are researching you again and they're seeing those types of blogs that you're putting out there in the education. So even something that you may have posted three months ago, if they're sliding through your feed and they see that you did something on a trucking case, they're like, okay, this guy is legit. He had a great settlement. So those types of things help out with the overall credibility as well. Um, I also feel that you know having contests, we've done some of those types of things um, that will also help you out.
0: I think the other thing I've talked about is you, you just have to not be all business, but you have to be yourself. Uh, you have to put some of yourself out there because that's kind of what social media is about. And, and it's a little uncomfortable because, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, my wife gives me all the time. Like, you know, hey, why are you letting these people see pictures of our kids and, you know, our family stuff? And it is a little, you know, there are people I don't know that know what my kids look like, but I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not too worried about it. And that, But they have to feel like they know you. Right. It can't just mm-hmm. be I'm lawyer man because there's a million lawyer men out there.
2: And I think social media, it's called social media for a reason, too. So it's not just always about putting out a post, putting out content. It's engaging with other people.
1: What I would like to add about social media is consistency is really important as well. One of the first things someone's going to do before they hire a lawyer is Google them. And it's going to make them feel uncomfortable if they don't have a somewhat active Twitter or Facebook account or Google page or something like that um, because we're in a world where everyone Googles someone. So consistency is really important but also thinking about the message you want to share with people too. You mentioned becoming someone who's a little bit more personal so they feel like they can uh, gain a relationship with you but I also think of companies like Wendy's. I love Wendy's social media. They are sarcastic, they have fun and so maybe I wanna go to Wendy's more because I know they're gonna make me laugh. So if an attorney has a sense of humor, maybe their social media should have a sense of humor too because realistically, we're in a line of work where we talk about and we see a lot of really sad things. So remembering to keep it upbeat and don't always talk about, yes, we can help you with a serious injury or the death of a loved one, but remember to say some positive things too because you don't want someone to go to your Facebook page and all they wanna do is cry.
0: Yeah gloom doesn't yeah that's not how about talking politics on social media that seems to be a proper thing oh yeah that's Uh, a great
2: thing to do (laughs) no I I think that's uh, I stay away from that I mean of course if you feel strongly about something you can do what you want but you could alienate a lot of people out there that could be potential clients Uh, so I think you need to be very careful I think you need to put up things that you believe and things that you stand behind but also be very careful of how you put that out there huh? I
1: think it depends on the type of law you practice too because right now there are some immigration attorneys who should be having some of those conversations right. um, and some of them do it well I saw a billboard that said well or not we're here for you and it was a, a little on the line but I thought it was creative and yeah. it's a topic that you have to talk about if that's your industry but it's also kind it's of touchy. Yeah, I don't know if you should really be doing that because you yeah. might offend someone who might be a
0: client. Well, that's the thing. Not only, you know, people think of trial lawyers as mainly left wing, but within our referral base, and they're not always vocal about it. But we have people on all side, all spectrums, because I see what they post on their pages. Right. <laughs> uh, and then our clients are of all spectrums too. And you know, the, there is such a a divide between at least two tribes politically, and, and a Really demonization of the other tribe. That you can really demonize yourself with a client uh, over expressing something that's not even that. Just expressing support for the other tribe. I think it's really, and I know a lot of lawyers that they they're spouting spouting stuff all the time on political stuff, and you know let them do it. But I think it's really risky if your one of your goals of your social media is to market. Then you know well, that's not going to sell yeah, anything. You
2: gotta stay mm-hmm. stay somewhat neutral. I would say if you really do have that broad audience. And- like Delisi said, if you do have specific audiences, then you can play to those different feelings of people and emotions of people if you want to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that people that told me I'm nuts for doing is giving away information for free. I mean, this podcast, the seminars we do, the books we do, I mean, we don't charge for any of it. We don't require a referral to get it. And, you know, I've had people say, like, why are you, I was meeting with on last week, like, why are you giving away your secrets? That's your, that's your intellectual property. Why are you doing this? What, what's your response to that?
2: Um, how your revenues have grown. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> look at the numbers. So, right, look at the numbers. <laughs> look at the numbers. They do not lie. So I think that is, is so important there to, to inform people, especially in your line of work and, and what you're doing is to, build that trust. I mean, if they're going to be giving a multi-million dollar case or referring a multi-million dollar case to you, they've got to feel solid about that. I mean, ultimately, it is their client that they are going to be working with you and your team with, so um, you, you got to make sure that you're on point in that area.
1: Well, and, and to add to that, I think it just helps you become someone that they trust and want to have a relationship with, because our business is business to business. That's how we market. So for us, it's a big part of it. Um, so I, th- I think for that, it's, it's important.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of us just having an, an abundance mentality. There's lots of work out there for everybody. Uh, when I'm not working nights and weekends, I worry about not having enough cases. I mean, we obviously want to have more good cases, but I don't begrudge someone else who takes my stuff and uses it to make money on their own and doesn't give me any of it because there's plenty for me. And what I found like my relationships with referring lawyers, there's, I'm thinking of one guy in particular, when he started, he sent me all his 18 lawyer cases. But over the last 15 years that we've been working together, he's become a really good lawyer, and he does most of his own 18-wheeler cases. But the really, really big stuff, the stuff that's going to be worth millions of dollars, he brings me in on those. I'm perfectly happy just to work on those. Uh, Even though I would still like to do the other stuff, you know, if I would begrudge sharing information with him because he was going to do it on his own, then I wouldn't be getting that great big stuff. And, you know, so just it allows your, your relationships to flourish. And if someone never brings you in, it doesn't hurt you. you
2: know, people remember that, too. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they know that you just gave them some great information that they can now use in their business, they're not going to forget you. So it does stick around in their mind.
0: And there's another lawyer who's a, a colleague of mine and, and would always share information with me, but I had someone else at the firm call that person. And he said, quote, my kid's got to eat. Are you going to cut me on the case? Uh, and then he apologized profusely when he found out the person uh, worked for me. But everyone in my firm heard about that very quickly. And uh, it's very unlikely that uh, unless I directed it, anybody would ever reach out to that person again or bring that person in on a case because it was such a negative response from like, well, I'll only help you if you give me money.
1: I also think it's your personality too, I mean it's who you are, you want to help other people sincerely, and I think that's what makes you a great trial lawyer too. So when you're automatically sharing this information, you're doing it because you want to help the other attorney also it'd be nice if we could work on a case together but at the same time you want to make our roads safer and you want to make sure that all these other attorneys are doing great on their cases too
0: Do you think the same concept applies to the direct to consumer marketing where you're given free information to consumers who may not hire you
2: i, I do because uh, i think you get bombarded with these these billboards and commercials from attorneys just in my experience back in florida that it's like just tired of hearing about how tenacious and how great you are and this and that it's like What about me? You know, if I'm affected by something, I want to feel that those are people that I want to work with. So I think giving that education and giving that information out there to your end client is only going to help you out as well. And, and yeah, they may go somewhere else, but I think a majority of the time you're going to get those cases that you want. And people are going to remember that stuff that you're putting out there. And in turn, over time, you're going to continue to build that volume of casework that you want.
1: You have to do it if you want the case. Yeah. If people don't know how good you are, how are they going to know to call you? But there's a fine line of doing it in a professional way. Absolutely.
0: And not, not thumping your own chest too much. Mm-hmm. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. The, that's one thing that's interesting Doing it's something I've really learned from you is, you know, a lot of lawyers, I think it's easier to sell an ad by pumping up someone's ego. So we're going to do an ad that makes you look great talk about all the success and how brilliant you are. But you've really taught me about, like, what is it that your consumer wants? what's going through their mind, what are the what would benefit them, what would solve the issues that they're having going on in their lives right now. Absolutely. How do you figure out, okay, whether it's a person that's been in a wreck, uh, whether it's a, another lawyer that might want to re- refer you a case, how, what do you do to figure out what is that c- conversation going on in their mind that you want to enter?
2: Sure, it's understanding their pain points, understanding their emotions. I mean, if you can connect emotionally with someone through a marketing piece, you're, you're doing your job. So. posing the right questions out there, getting them to think about what they've just experienced connecting with them on that level is a a great way to really get them to start to follow what you're saying. One
0: of the things that you talked about earlier was automating uh, marketing. And I know I found that one of my biggest challenges is to the extent that I still write any of my own content, uh, I have to find blocks of time when I can do it. So let's say I'm going to put out I don't blog much anymore, but if I was going to blog, I was going to put out five blog posts in the next five weeks. I probably am not going to have an hour, hour and a half every week. I could consistently do that with my schedule because I still try cases. I'm traveling all over the country doing depositions, meeting with experts. So, what I'll do is I'll dedicate one day to just write blog posts, or one day just to work on a book or an article, and only do that so that way I can focus deeply on what I'm doing. And I would suggest that's how other lawyers would do it too. How do you automate? Getting that out so you don't forget to get it out once you do it. I
2: think there's ways to make it easier on a business owner as well. Uh, Of course, you want to try to fast-track things to where you actually are not... Uh, A lot of us are perfectionists and I I think we want to have the grammar done right and we want to have everything sounding and being perfect so I think by having a team of people that can help you out um, even to where you're just preparing bullet points and some factual information that you may only know and let a professional direct response copywriter or blogger actually handle that content for you so there's ways to even shorten that time frame to where you're flying somewhere and just put some bullet points this is what I want to convey to my audience and let a team, whether it's DMC or any other marketing team out there that has a solid understanding of content writing and blogging, Let them construct that, go through the proofing process. Of course, you get to approve that before it goes online, but that is a way to really be able to speed that up, and as a business owner myself, it is very, very, very hard to write your own content, design your own design, market your own business, so delegating is so very important. Finding people that are better than you at specific areas of your business is also very important. Obviously, got to be careful uh, on that as well. You don't want to have too much overhead and a person handling a million different things and a million different people. So, uh, I think overall it's just a matter of working smarter, not harder. And there are people out there that can really help you with establishing that solid content on a regular basis. And are there also
0: any things that like you could just go plug everything in one day and have it? Launch on different days.
2: So, yeah, I mean, automation and, and drip campaigns um, are huge. So you can really set things up to where they feel natural. They don't feel like it's something that's been planned. Um, and you can set it up with different... Um, if then statements, if someone does this, or if someone clicks on a link in an email about car accidents, you can then send them another email about car accidents or a case study about car accidents. A lot of that stuff that you never ever have to think about again once it's programmed. So having those um, different funnels, let's say, that people are coming in, And then how are those people going to be handled at the end? And that doesn't need to be just email marketing. It can also send a trigger to someone to send a a handwritten thank you note out to them, send a trigger to send a gift and a thank you basket out to a company. So things like that can really be automated this day and age, and there's several different programs out there, and a lot of them now work together to really help with that process.
1: Automation is so helpful because we we do that with our social media. We use Hootsuite, and Hootsuite's great because you can – Put all of the stuff you want to do for the month in there and it'll automatically send it out so it makes it so easy if someone doesn't want to use Hootsuite and they're like oh that's too much for me you can do it on Facebook if you have a Facebook company page you can program it in there Facebook will schedule it and send it out and so um, automation is so great and it's so easy to use and for anyone on a tight budget it's either free or less than $20 a month
2: yeah, and I think too with a lot of these programs, people uh, expect to just buy a program, be able to jump in there and set up all their emails. It's not that way. You really need to have someone that understands the sequencing of things, um, how people are going to react, how many days should you really send the next notification out. So uh, again, I recommend if you don't have someone internally or if that's not your thing, you, know, you want to spend your time focusing on the things that are going to be you know, bringing you in the dollars that you enjoy doing that you're great at and having someone that can sit there and set up a campaign for you even though it may cost a few dollars more to do, definitely do that.
1: And you mentioned you spend a whole day sometimes, and you do, you'll (laughs) spend a whole day um, not in the office and just no phone calls, no emails, I'm going to write a book. And for some lawyers that works and for some that doesn't. It can be very hard, especially when you have writer's block and you're like, what am I gonna write about? So my suggestion to those lawyers would be keep a journal or open up a notes tab on your cell phone. And if you have an idea, write it down. So when you do spend that day, you've got a list of ideas you already have to help you along that creative process.
0: I will say the creative process is a deep process. You can't do it when you're taking calls. You can't do it when there's interruptions or you're checking your email. Uh, and I sometimes have to lock myself in a hotel room because even at home, you know, kids or the kids at school, even my wife, just wanted to ask me something real quick. And then you get derailed for 30 minutes mm-hmm. uh, just because you yeah, have that one little interruption. And I know sometimes people, I try not to snap at people in the office, but sometimes people don't understand, like, why I snapped from opening my door when it was closed. to ask me one little bitty question because that one little question threw me off of something that I was mm-hmm. just about to finish. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I have to go get back into the mood. But yeah. I found the only way to do the deep work. of, Because, you know, I, when I write something, I don't want to just, you know, put out something to fill out pages. I want something that's actually useful. And then I learn. Every time I write, I learn and I get better because it makes me think more about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it.
1: And um, you get excited. Every time you do a day of that, you get excited afterwards. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can do this on a case. I need to do
0: this more often. Yeah, I do. And then we end up going and we, we, we have a training in the office and we, we try to get better as a law firm. The uh, other things I would say is that I found in writing is sometimes I'm in the mood to sit there at a computer and write. Sometimes I'm in the mood to talk, and there's different. I actually some people have still have people that take dictation at their office. We don't, but there's an app called SpeakWrite. I did my very first consumer book by using Dragon, whatever the dictation Mm -hmm. software is, which isn't quite as SpeakWrite actually as a human being, and it was ugly. It had lots of typos, but at least it got me. You know, I went for a walk and rambled, Um, and uh, the other thing that's good about dictation is you can look at something else, like look at a case, look at a a paper that's inspiring you, and then dictating into it, it's hard to have, even with multiple screens, to be going back and forth. Uh, So I find, you know, different ways of writing, and then just getting something out there. It's going to be really ugly, and then making it a little prettier, and then letting someone else clean it
1: up and make, if make, you're a slow typer <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i helps. think
2: yeah you got to understand the tools that are available to us this day and age i mean the technology out there that's incredible and i mean video is becoming more and more prevalent something that you should definitely be doing for your business is getting more and more video out there and myself i'm not great just speaking off the cuff so for a couple hundred bucks on amazon you go on get a teleprompter uh, set that camera up get a nice background. And all of a sudden, now you're able to produce videos that sound good, look good. And again, you do not have to have an Academy Award winning video out there or even a, a beautiful written book. I mean, it's just the fact that you're doing it. Of course, you want it to sound good and look good. Uh, it is representing your business, but it does not need to be perfect. And you know, having a team of people that can also help perfect it after you're done, the the, the bulk of the work, that does help you as well.
0: Yeah, that's been great for me that I just have to go record like this. We just go and talk, and then magically in a few weeks it's going to be on the Internet, and I don't
2: know what y'all do.
1: That's Uh, great for me because I don't know how to edit it. Oh,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Editing content and all of that, too. You know, something there that even as someone that has dealt with editing, it takes so much time and energy. So... Know, there, there's a lot of resources out there and of course um, you know having a, a team of people uh, we've built a great team at dynamic marketing consultants that really handle all different facets of marketing so if you can find a team like that that does have your social media handle they can handle your video can handle podcasts can handle and there's not a lot of people out there but you know that's that's the way we built our business to just make sure that when someone comes to us, they don't have to deal with 10 different companies to get one thing done. So finding someone like that is definitely going to help streamline, make it easier on you. Delicia, I know it makes it easier in your life as well Yeah. Uh, to get things done.
1: Well, and it's hard because you're not going to find one person who can do all of those things. I might have a great idea, but I sure as heck have no idea how to make it look pretty. So it's nice to have a team to do that. Um, and for someone who's got a tight budget, if they can reach out to someone who can handle with all those different aspects, then... It just makes it that much more cost-effective, too. Oh, but yeah.
0: I would urge people, though, to really check out, get references, do one project first, because it took us oh, multiple, multiple, multiple vendors before we found you guys.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and we had so many – we kissed so many frogs before we found our prints. Uh, <laughs> really, and I
1: hate frogs. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, it Really, there are so many people – because, you know, you, you don't have to get licensed as a marketer. Uh, there are yeah. so many people out there that are – plugging them. They're only good at marketing themselves. They plug all the things they say they can do and it's just not very effective or they're not reliable. They're not not meeting their own deadlines. The content's ugly. It's full of typos. They're
2: selling dreams. They're selling the other world. You're going to be on the first page Mm -hmm. of Google. You're going to bring a million bucks from this one initiative. And, And that's the thing. I mean, we're real. Um, There's plenty of campaigns that we've launched ourselves that we thought were going to be home runs that were not, some that we thought were going to be terrible that were great. Um, So unfortunately it is trial and error, it is about split testing, it is about keeping track of analytics, seeing what's working, but I'll tell you that if you're using what we're talking about here today, all these different channels that you have the ability to use and you're putting out things that are not looking like the competition down the road that just it's just going to really help your business grow and i I think it's it's not that instant gratification it's over time things progress and you will start to hear people on the street talking about you or bringing it up while you're at court you'll hear them oh man i got your magazine and then you start to realize this is catching on people are paying attention to what we're saying
0: now uh you've worked with a lot of companies Uh, some of them have done really well some probably haven't what are the characteristics you've seen that have led to success, and the characteristics you've seen that led to maybe not so much success? So much success.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's it's understanding that building a business does take time, and it does take money, um, and doing it the right way. Where I see people fail is the people that come to me and really just want to do, I, I want to do a mailer, I want to do a prospecting mailer, I want to send out one piece of mail, and then ultimately we get judged on that because sending out one piece of mail and they're expecting to get you know 20 30 people to respond to that and um, so I think understanding what marketing is all about understanding that you're not going to get rich quick it's going to take time to really plant that foundation to build that relationship with your audience so I would say the ones that do not do that and they're just trying oh today I got to try Facebook today I got to try Instagram tomorrow I'm going to do this I got to do they're jumping all over the place they're not going to succeed so I think platforms. You don't need to be doing every single thing that everyone is doing out there, but making sure people that are honing in on their avatar, that audience that really is going to help their business is also important. If you're just what we call spray and praying and you're sending out mass mailers to, you know, whether it's, it's people that could potentially get into auto accidents or potential referral attorneys, there is a certain niche of that audience that really is going to help build your business. So I'd say focus more on them. less uh, you know less of a a mass type of marketing approach and the ones that focus on a very focused audience and a very focused message and the outcome are the ones that seem to stay in business longer and continue to grow their business
1: well and to add on to that because you mentioned it we didn't have as much success until we partnered with you guys and i think one of the lessons i learned when we were marketing and and hosting our own events was how important it is to come up with a plan think about who is our audience and what do we want from that and how are we going to follow up i think those four things were so incredibly important and we had some of it but we didn't have all of it and there's nothing more upsetting than spending your money in marketing, and then it, it doesn't work.
0: Well, we kind of did a split test when we first yeah. started working with you, because there was someone else who honestly helped me find Delisey, so that was worth all the money I spent. But for other things, they weren't as good, and so we had the market one event. We had Y'all market one event. They sent out, and I even saw it happening, because they sent out like some postcards right. to market it. And I remember them telling Delisey, this isn't gonna work.
1: My stomach started to hurt.
0: <laughs> and we had it at a very expensive venue. Uh, very expensive venue like a, a fancy hotel which cost a lot of money just for the location uh and it was a failure i mean there they were and they got sponsors they got an, uh, two other law firms involved because thinking we needed other people's credibility other than just me speaking and we probably had what 10 or 11 people that weren't involved yeah. either as a sponsor or associated with one of the people speaking that showed up and we spent a tremendous amount of money uh not so much on on mark because they wanted to save money on the postcards so that they could spend more money on a nice venue whereas the one we did with you we did at a Maggiano's the back room of Maggiano's right. Italian restaurant yeah, exactly. uh it cost us nothing for the venue as long as we serve lunch and we serve food at both of them it's just Maggiano's was a lot cheaper than the big fancy hotel uh we spent a little bit more money on the sending lumpy mail sending a multi-mailer sequence and having someone that understands direct response do instead of writing it ourselves or having a lawyer write it have someone that understands how to motivate people write the letters uh and they were longer letters and it was an incredible success that's the one that, that sold out had a waiting list we ended up having to do two yeah. yeah uh and so it just it is important to find the right people
1: it directly spoke to our audience too i think they knew how sincere you were we knew exactly who something was going to and why we were doing it and it was that much more successful i think the other thing
0: is you actually listened to me mm-hmm. right. when i said <laughs> yeah this is what i want to do this is what i think will work these are my people this is what they care about right rather than like, well, I know legal marketing. This is how you get yeah. people. And, and they did the exact same thing that every other seminar does. And it's just, why would you go to mine instead yeah, of somebody
2: you know, else's? Well, listening is the biggest part of sales, right? <laughs> so if you're out there trying to sell something, listen to your audience, listen to your people that you're working with. And that's going to, um, you know, ultimately increase the, the sales of that. So,
0: Well, Devin, I hate to ask you this because I have got such great success. I would hate to share you. But uh, if someone else out there wants to get a hold of you,
2: how would they find you? Well, we're very loyal to you. So if you're a <laughs> Texas attorney and going after the same industry, you know we'll we'll discuss that. But um, if you want to get in contact with us, website is dynamicmarketingconsultants.com, dot com. Info at your dmc. That's dot My personal is d e v i n at your dmc com. And our phone number is eight one three.
0: And even if you're a Texas attorney, if you're doing direct-to-the-public marketing, it doesn't bother me. We would have to have a conversation if you're doing lawyer-to-lawyer. Absolutely. (laughs) Not a
2: problem.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope uh, everyone learned a lot today.
2: This was great. you appreciate having us.
0: Thank you for joining us on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Devin and Delisi. Working with them has helped me grow my business and I hope it helps you grow yours too. Thanks for tuning in and I look forward to having you with us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation.
1: Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide. Are you an attorney with a catastrophic injury or wrongful death case you'd like to discuss with host Michael Cowan? If so, you can reach Michael by calling 210- 941-1301 941-1301 or send an email to michael at CowanLaw.com. We look forward to talking with you again soon as we continue to explore powerful insights from our amazing host and remarkable guests here on Trial Lawyer Nation. Until then, please be sure to subscribe and review this podcast on iTunes or your favorite listening app so we can continue to reach more listeners. Visit us at www.triallawyernation.com to send us a message, listen to previous podcasts, or learn more about Michael Cowan and our guests. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our hosts, guests, or contributors and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.